We are here to spread the radical notion that you're perfectly imperfect, just the way you are. Welcome to the Way You Are Project podcast. I'm your host, Erica Ormanovich. Join me as we have conversations about feminism, fat acceptance, body image, and parenting, with a goal to help you cultivate and live a more authentic life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Way You Are Project. This is episode 16, and I'm your host, Erica Ormanovich. Um, <laughs> hold on, funny story. I don't actually know the real way to say my last name because, well, I mean, I do, but it's just, okay. So um, the name is uh, Croatian, but because of like all the weird country turmoil situation over there, for so long um, that an actual name in origin is Serbian. And so the technical way to say it, I guess, is like Ormanovic, which like it's not spelled like that and we don't talk like that. So me and my husband say Ormanovic because it's more phonetic and we say it in hopes of people being able to spell it because it's literally Ormanovic, but no one can ever spell it, like no matter how you say it. And most people say Ormanovich. Um, some people want to say Ormanovic. Um, Philip at one point thought it was Ormanovic, which is not correct, we found out. Um, so there's just so many different ways you could say it. So every time I say it, I'm always like, hmm, I don't know if that's like the right or if that's the one I should be saying. Because I think I want to say like Ormanovich, but that never comes out naturally. I have so drilled in my head Ormanovich. I don't know. Just a tangent. Um, anyway, so I am extremely tired right now recording this. <laughs> I'm about to go try to take a nap while my toddler takes a nap. We have been packing. I have been packing um, this whole weekend. Well, Philip has been helping. I just, I, only, I say it like that because I have been obsessed with getting it done. Uh, we move on Thursday into our first house. We've been in apartments forever because we live in the city. Um, but we are moving into a house and I'm extremely excited. We have not bought a house because that is not, we're not into that. Um, <laughs> maybe one day. But um, we are renting a house, but still we're very excited. And um, the kids are going to have a backyard and I have a giant kitchen. I'm hosting Thanksgiving. So we move in this Thursday and then Thanksgiving is the following Thursday because I'm a lunatic. Um, <laughs> so I've been packing... Um, getting ready for that so Zelda has been watching way more TV than I'm willing to admit on top of her getting over an ear infection and just not wanting to do anything so I feel really bad so I've kind of just been letting her watch TV a lot um and it's crazy how much I can get done I'm so used to her like clinging onto my leg every second of every day (laughs) anyway um yeah so I spoke with Caroline Dooner of the fuck it diet today. Um, she is one of the people I feel like I have talked about since day one, since starting my podcast. She's like, her stuff has definitely been hugely influential in my full recovery. Um, I think in my original post and my original blog or podcast episode, um, my original blog and my original podcast episode, I mentioned and linked to her stuff. Um, she also has a podcast called Fuck It Diet Radio. Oh, wait. It might be something else now because iTunes 
kicked her off. I think it's the Effit Diet Radio. Either way, I'll link to it so you guys can listen to it because it's great. Um, and it is basically like the next step of intuitive eating. I don't know. Not really because it's its own thing. That sounds weird. But like for some people, intuitive eating, and we talk about this later. You're, or <laughs> you'll hear later, but then we talk about this. Um, sometimes people can turn intuitive eating into a diet. So this um, is like r- truly, truly an anti-diet uh, approach. And it's really helpful for, for people that are being tripped up by intuitive eating and worried about doing it the quote unquote right way. Um, I have actually been thinking about my intuition lately and I've read a post about this. Um, I don't know, some of you may have read or not, um, but it's on the blog. There has been some weird shit that happened recently and it just made me realize that my intuition is not as, um, finely tuned as I thought. My intuition with my body is great. I know exactly what I want to eat. I know the things that I need. I know when I need to move. I know I'm really good at listening to my body. But when it comes to other parts of my life, I have learned that I am not so good at them. And so it is just a reminder that it's an ever, I don't know, everlasting process. Um, And intuition is really like a muscle that has to be worked or a skill that has to be fine-tuned and if you don't use it and listen to it and you just ignore it um then you're gonna lose the ability to tap into your intuition not that you would lose your intuition your intuition is always there intuitive cues are always there but we always have the ability to either be really good at listening to them or really good at ignoring them and I have gotten like really good at ignoring them and I really healed my um intuition with my body, but I realized when all this shit blew up, which if you care, you can go read the post. If not, that's also fine. Um, (laughs) I'm not worried about talking about details, but I just ignored these very clear cues I had. And some of them actually were physical. Some of them were like literal gut feelings like sick to my stomach or feeling exhausted after certain things and knowing that something wasn't right and then still giving the situation the benefit of the doubt and not putting myself first so I will not be doing that anymore it's all a little live and learn um but we talk about intuition in this um and we also talk about something that I've talked about on here before which is something I'm really interested in right now which is rest um I'm sure you guys see me rant about it on Instagram and also I think I've written about it and talked about it on the podcast, Um, but really just the idea of like letting yourself off the hook in every way. Um, So we talk about that as well. Um, Yeah, it's just a really good conversation. Um, I suggest that you, if you haven't, like if you're interested, oh my God, please, y'all, I'm so tired. Okay, if you're interested in healing your relationship with food and your body, to start with looking into her stuff. Um, and she's full of so many good resources, too, and good places to start. Um, but anyway, so this is a really good episode. And if this stuff is new to you, this is a good place to start. I guess this is what I'm saying. My life has been a little crazy over here, so I'm doing my best. I almost did not post an episode today because... 
in the interest of rest, I didn't feel like editing all week long. I just didn't feel like it. I don't know. I have all these episodes, all these, um, I don't know, hours of conversations I've already recorded that I haven't edited and I just have had no will to do so. Um, so I almost didn't post this, but I was really excited after this conversation. So I decided to just go ahead and post this one today. And that's what rest is all about. Doing the things that really excite you and not doing things that don't super excite you. Um, so after you listen to this episode, please go leave a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, and the show notes are on the website at thewayyouareproject.com under the podcast tab. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Caroline. Hey, Caroline, how are you? I am good. How are you, Erica? I'm so good. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thank you so much for taking out some time for us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Do you mind, for um, my listeners that may not be familiar with your work, introducing yourself and a little bit um, of background and how you got into what you do now? Sure, absolutely. Um, I started a site and um, a movement at this point, I feel like it is, called The Fuck It Diet, and it's at thefuckitdiet.com. I started it like five and a half years ago at this point. Um, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's meant to be the ultimate anti-diet to help people who have been obsessed with food and dieting and weight and felt like they were stuck in a binge repent cycle and essentially always believed as I believed, um, that the cure for this like food addiction that we feel like we have is more control and better willpower and a better diet and just doing a little bit like doing our diet as well as we did that first time. Like we always think that we just need to like try harder. Um, and I have found very, very, um, very strongly that that is not actually the answer and it doesn't help at all. And that it actually is a biological response to restriction and almost like your body believes that you're on a famine. Um, so I, I write all about that. I write all about the physical part of it, the actual hormonal reaction to restriction and how it actually fixates you on food biologically. And I also write all about the emotional and mental part of getting out of the diet culture mentality. And I talk a lot about getting back into your body and feeling, feeling emotions, our limiting beliefs, what we've learned about our bodies, what we've learned about food and responsibility and beauty and worth. And essentially I just try to, I started writing about my own experience and what I was learning and what I thought was so important and radical and revolutionary. And I really wanted to, um, help other people who were trying to do the same thing because I struggled with eating disorder, uh, not eating disorders. I'm technically eating disorders spectrum. So technically on a spectrum, I had it, but I was going to say that I, um, struggled with intuitive eating, which is what I tried to first do to heal my quote unquote food addiction. And I made that into kind of like a stressful, obsessed thing. I thought I had to be like listening really, really closely to my eating. And if I wasn't like, if I wasn't stopping at the exact perfect point that I was blowing it and then I was going to, you know, that everything was going to fall apart. And what I finally learned is that it was this kind of like belief that, um, this, this attempt to control my weight and that 
whenever I tried to heal my eating before, I never understood that my relationship to my weight and my beliefs about my weight and my attempts to control my appetite and weight were actually at the core of the dysfunction and that there was really never going to be a way to get out of that cycle until I let go of the the weight thing and really um, relearned how to relate to myself and also relearned um, and reframed our like total cultural relationship to weight and understanding how dysfunctional that is. Um, it's a very long winded answer to your question, but it's also a very complex subject mm-hmm. and I feel like it can go in so many different directions. So that is um, the medium long answer to <laughs> what I do and why. So how did you, this is probably also going to be a long answer, but more or less, like, how did you get to the place where you like made the fuck it diet? So I, I had been, I was only 24 and I had been like really, really, really obsessively dieting slash eating disorder. You could call it either of those things for 10 years And before that, as a child, I was always a binge eater. I was obsessed with food. Um, I was not obsessed with weight when I was young, but I was obsessed with food because I felt denied. Um, I understand that now. I didn't, I didn't understand that then, but then a binge eating disorder feeling like I wasn't allowed to eat like the junk food that my friends were allowed to eat, um, turned into more, way more disordered and obsessive in high school when I started gaining weight, you know, in, during puberty. And then my doctors told me that I had PCOS, which is a hormonal, you know, it, I have lots of issues with the way that they diagnose and treat this. So I'm going to be kind of like snarky about it, but it, <laughs> it like essentially is like an umbrella term for like any sort of hormonal issue that a woman has. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone has really varying symptoms and I believe the cause is way more environmental and stress-based and dieting based actually, then they tell you that it's food and it's weight and you have to diet and keep your weight down and take drugs and go on the pill for the rest of your life. And like, they're like, there's no cure. You just like need to make sure you don't become fat. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I'll, I'll do that. So it felt really justified, my obsession with food and my obsession with weight. And so that coupled with the society's obsession with skinniness, I just kind of went down the health nut rabbit hole, um, truly believing that it was a noble cause and that it was really important mm-hmm. and that the stakes were really high. Um, and I also was an actor, uh, like I, I was professionally act in musical theater, um, professionally acting in Philadelphia where I'm from. And then I went to, got into like a really great program for, um, like a really elite program in New York at NYU for musical theater. And so I was like, well, like, not only is it important for my health, but like, it's important for me to be beautiful and thin for my career and my destiny, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like really like the stakes felt super high. So I was just stressed all the time. And then not only that, but I was like, you know, binging all of the time. And I was like, there's something so wrong with me. Like, why can't I just diet well? Like I did the first time and lost all that weight. And now I like, I just, and my health was terrible and my skin was terrible and I was starving. And I like was 
binging and I, my sleep was horrible and I was just like a total mess. And I was, uh, I was a raw vegan and I was like totally just like following all the rules, like so obsessively. And it was so desperate. Like I was so desperate for it to work. And I was so scared and stressed that it wasn't essentially. And that I was just like losing more and more control essentially. Um, and I would have little, like tiny little epiphanies that would be like, something's wrong here. Like this, is, I think I need to like fix my relationship to food. I think there might be something wrong there. And then I would try some sort of version of intuitive eating that was still really afraid of weight and really afraid of, because a lot of intuitive eating, um, I think that the, the theory is good, but it's still often taught through a very fat phobic lens and a a big, a fear of food, a fear of appetites, a fear of what will happen to us if we, if we gain weight, if we let ourselves become full and satiated, there's just this mistrust, distrust in our bodies and appetites. And, uh, so basically I was intuitive eating with this desire to like have it make me thin and be like the the answer to diets while still being a diet, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it never worked. It was like a te- I would be like, wow, I'm healed. I'm great at this. And then I would like go off the rails or binge and and then go on another diet, essentially. So I and I would go I would do that like back and forth. I was like, well, I just need to eat intuitively. But I just I mean, the irony is when you're obsessively trying to eat the perfect amount and not gain weight, it's not intuitive. That's, that's a diet, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and it's, you know, the, the true intuition came for me when I was like, okay, (laughs) I mean, it, it like hit me, it hit me like, and I call it an epiphany on my 24th birthday because it was like really, it was a very, very intense, awareness that I had that this was a cycle that had been happening for 10 years. I was miserable. I mean, I was like, all I thought about was food and weight. And it really made me feel like a failure. It made me feel afraid. Like I was very afraid all of the time because of the health aspect and because of the day to day, like I was supposed to be going to auditions and I like hated myself and I hated the way I looked. And so it was just like constant misery. And I true I was paleo at the time. This my like my last diet was paleo. And I even started the diet by saying, Well, I know that I tend to get like a little obsessed with food, so like I'm not going to get obsessed with this. And literally in three days I was like psycho, like <laughs> trying to eat no carbs, like it ruined my digestion. Like my digestion was crazy messed up during it. And I was like, well, I'm just not doing, this is just detoxing. I'm just not doing it right. I need to do it differently. There are things that I need to cut out more. Like I just went down a rabbit hole for like four months or something really insane, really, really intensely. And I, I had an epiphany on my 24th birthday and it went something along the lines of you are going to keep doing this for the rest of your life. If you do not step out of this cycle, I I, I saw the cycle over and over again. And I had had like, I had been hearing like little whispers in the paleo community of people being like, FYI, I tried to do low carb and it like ruined my life and ruined my hormones and ruined my metabolism. And I was like, what? Like that was like, that was revolutionary to me because paleo is so focused on low carb. 
um, people who are trying to heal PCOS, uh, polycystic ovaries, which is what I've been diagnosed with, um, try to do it low carb, such a low carb craze. Like the world was so anti-carbs and the health worlds that I was in were so anti-carbs that I just couldn't believe it, but it, it rang true for me. I was like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense that me being obsessed with carbs is the actual, actually the thing that's making everything even worse. And I'm like less healthy and crazier about food and my metabolism is messed up and like it all made sense. So I, I basically come to realize that that was probably something that was happening very, very, um, very recently before meeting bef- right before I had this epiphany. And then the other thing, the thing that made this realization so much more profound than the other times I've been like, well, maybe I'm a little messed up with food (laughs) was that I realized that the obsession with weight and the fear of weight was literally ruining my life and was the issue. And that I would never, ever, ever be normal with food until I let go of that in a way that nobody, nobody in my life, nobody, no healthcare pro, uh, practitioner, no health site that I'd come across yet. Of course, there was a whole fat activist movement that I was yet to find and would like further help this entire journey for me. But this was like coming from somewhere beyond me because no one had ever told me that before that I could stop worrying about my weight and maybe even improve my health and hopefully definitely improve my relationship to food and my sanity and happiness. So I was like, it was basically born of like the deepest misery. (laughs) Um, but since after that point, it was like, there was no question. Like I was doing this no matter what, it doesn't mean that it was easy. It doesn't mean that I didn't have my moments of like panic and horror and fear and, like continued like slate body dysmorphia as I like went through this process. But I, I knew that this was the only way and that this was going to be the answer. And I immediately started doing all of this research on metabolism and carbs and diet and anti-diet and health at every size, fat activism, the obesity, like hoax, essentially, um, the diet industry. Like I did all of this research and continued to, and continue to, um, cause it's ever evolving that helped support the intuitive hunches that I had essentially, and really added to the work that I now do and the writing that I now do. But it was born of like, a a very real experience in this world and in this mindset and like really, really strong awakening of sorts and then applying it and then, and then writing and sharing about it and teaching about it has been sort of like the, the way that it's gone. So I kind of want to be devil's advocate a little bit just because I know that there's so many, I'm sure there's going to be listeners like thinking of all these questions. Um, But before I do that, do you think you could like kind of sum up in short, like what the fuck a diet is like just eating, like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like if you were to sum it up in some kind of short explanation, how would you describe it? Yes. So I would say the fuck a diet is meant to heal people's binging obsession with food and obsession with weight and help them get out of this kind of like diet culture, vicious cycle. And the reason that I think this is so important is because it has been proven 
though it's not widely known, but proven in enough scientific studies that restricting actually puts your body into a state that makes you obsessed with food. It suppresses your metabolism. It makes you crave more food. It makes you put on weight literally for your survival. And it, um, it can make your health worse than when you started because it actually, it raises your stress hormones and it puts you into this crisis state. And learning about this is really helpful to understand why when you've gone on diets in the past, uh, you've gained weight back right away after you've gone off of it. Or even sometimes people gain weight while they're still on the diet, but their body is rebelling and stressed and overwhelmed. Um, and why it's so hard to stick to diets is because your body is genuinely wired against it. Um, so I, I teach about that essentially. I teach about the fact that we are metabolically wired against restriction and that that also works with our mind too. Like our, our mind and our bodies are so connected that when we decide, ah, tomorrow I'm going to go on a diet, our body's been there before. So it can actually make you it can actually do the whole like famine state thing before you even start the restriction and make you obsessed with food. And that can actually be the reason that we're binging so much. So I don't think I'm actually giving you a soundbite at all <laughs> on what the fuck a diet is, but basically it's, it's the, it's, um, yeah, there's no, there, there's no sound. There's like, there's the tagline I have. that's like, I know why you're binging or eating should be easy yeah. or you're wired against diets, but like then it, it, it immediately needs like a very long explanation because as you said, people are like, wait, I don't get it. What do you mean? Tell me everything. Yeah. And also I don't believe you, you know? (laughs) So like, there's so much, there's so much going on in your body. But I, I think, I think the simplest way to explain it is I, I talk about, I talk about metabolism logic and famine logic and actually what is happening to the body in a really, really basic way of like your body has a weight set range that it wants to be. And we, when we fight it, essentially our body goes into a crisis mode because the only time we would have done this kind of restricting from, you know, like, you know, 75 years ago and beyond before that was in a famine. Like this dieting thing is so new and our bodies are having none of it. Yeah, I'm glad that you um, mentioned the, like, how your body and mind is connected. Because I think for me, like, if I were to sum up the fuck it diet to someone, it would be like that last little piece of what, like, what intuitive eating aims to do. And I, I mean, I'm not totally to discount intuitive eating, but I do, like, I personally, like, I tried it. But then there was, like, like you, that last little bit hanging on. And after, like, finding your stuff... I come to realize that it was mental restriction, that it was telling myself uh-huh. like, oh, okay, you can eat this, but like maybe, okay, now you stop. Or like, oh, that's kind of a lot. Like, you know, rather than like really, truly, fully honoring your yeah. your hunger and um, your appetite and like how yes. much your body truly needs. And after depriving yourself for so long, some of us years and years and years, your body needs a lot. And it's kind of mind-blowing how much your body needs, but like yeah. kind of just need the like, fuck it part to really get over that last little bit. Totally. Yeah. Well, it, cause, cause it's really important to like 
the the fuck it part is also is not only going towards the um the food part but the body part right. like fuck this like fear that i have of my body like fuck it i need to feed myself and i need to do this against all of your you know beliefs and and judgments and fears and by you i mean like the culture at large right, but right, also right. us as we go through it and yeah so when so i like to explain oh these scammers are calling me because i it doesn't matter um <laughs> the, all of these scammers have been calling me being like you are in trouble with the law please oh, call God, us yeah. back and i'm like i've oh. gotten this before too anyway um so it's so physical restriction is going to cause a very biological physical um, obsession with food that is actually mental, which is why they're so linked, but, um, it causes a hormonal fixation on food, a lot of hunger, um, and a lower metabolism. So you will put on weight when you do eat just in case you go on a famine again. So I talk about how important it is to get rid of any physical restriction, feed your body, feed your body, feed your body. If you do not, your body will jog this this state that it is so afraid that you're going to get back into because you keep on putting it into this restrictive state. Um, but again, when people do this, they have all of these fears and all of these beliefs about what they should and shouldn't be doing all of these beliefs that something is horribly wrong. And that makes up the mental restriction that takes people even longer to work through. So most people, so people, you know, have varying degrees of resistance to the fuck a diet when they find it. They're either like, Hmm, this could be good. Or they're like, Oh my God, this is what I've been waiting for. This makes so much sense. But they start and they still have understandably all this fear, all of these old beliefs, all of this, all of this guilt around what they're doing because it's so new. It's so different than what they've been told before. And that can alone jog sort of like this, 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 um, this vicious cycle. Like it can actually be the thing that keeps you stuck and fearing like your body actually fearing that you're going to restrict it tomorrow. So it can kind of keep you in that anxious, nervous state in which that's why it's so important to become aware of all of the, old shit that we're kind of like operating under. Um, so yes, mental restriction is, is the huge piece that I, I finally realized was like just hanging. Like it's, it's, it's like this program running in the back mm-hmm. of our brains, but we don't know that it's, it's, you know, still, it's like having, it's like having garage band, <laughs> like running in the background of your computer, but not realizing it's still on and it's draining all your battery. And you're like, why am I so, why am I losing battery so quickly? Like that is totally happening in our brains. Right. Um, and affecting everything the way we eat and then, and everything else too. And also like the, I think another big part is recognizing like how, little amount of restriction like is actually like uh, has a big effect oh my god yes especially when you've been on many diets before that's the thing that's kind of that I've kind of come to understand and I think is really cool is that your body like our bodies are not machines at all that's what diet culture has us to believe is that you know exactly 
energy in, energy out. Like it's so much more complex. Our bodies are so much more nuanced and intelligent and self-correcting than that, which is what's happening when you put yourself on a diet. Your body is not only lowering your metabolism so you don't die, literally, (laughs) um, but it also um, remembers. It remembers that you have been in a famine, it seems like, to your to your body, um, and that you've been on all these diets recently, or even 10 years ago, and it never wants to experience that again. It has all of these survival mechanisms in place to make sure that you survive restriction, and that you focus on food and put weight back on and don't lose all your fat stores. And it will focus on survival. And so when you even consider restricting, it can jog that mode. And yes, so similarly, even if you are just eating like not quite to to satiation, your body's going to kick into full gear. Because I, yeah, there are lots of people who are like, wait, I can't possibly be in a famine. I can't possibly have been restricting too much because I'm not really restricting that much. And I binge all the time. Like that's what I believe too. I was like, there's no way I was binging every night, like every night leading up to the, the bucket diet literally happened because I had just binged on like a million disgusting paleo, like goods, paleo, (laughs) like baked goods. Like it, I was not under, fed at that point, especially in my brain, but I was in this restrictive mindset and I was trying to eat less carbs and I was in this like daily yo-yo for basically 10 years. I mean, sometimes better, sometimes worse, but I, my body had kind of been in this state of food obsession and food fixation and not quite believing that any given day I would feed it enough. And it would be, it would binge at night just to kind of make up for it. Um, but it still was in this state, even though I believed I was eating way more than I was supposed to be eating. So yeah, that's the, that's the confusion. We're like, no, no, there's no way that I would need that much food. I'm already a food addict. And it's like, no, actually you are a food addict because you keep trying to restrict and that's enough to keep your body in this crisis state essentially. Mm -hmm. And that segues to my next devil's advocate question for you to explain, because I was actually in a bit of an argument with my best friend last night about food addiction. And she was like, well, food's addicting. And I was like, no, it's not. (laughs) And so I was trying to explain to her why, like, first of all, the the research on that is just not very, it it was like done on people that have like history of dieting and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's like not very sound. Um, But feel free to explain so what I like to say is food is addictive as it should be. It is addictive like breathing. We right. need to breathe to stay alive. And if we are in an area with not enough oxygen, we will only be focused on getting enough oxygen because we need to. It's survival-based. And your body has very, you know, intelligent mechanisms in place to make you quote unquote addicted to air and food because you need it. And on the flip side, when you have enough 
when you are living on a planet with enough oxygen or in a whatever, like, I don't know, and there is, there are rare places in this, on this earth that don't have enough oxygen. So it's hard to like imagine this, but when you have enough oxygen, you don't think about breathing. You don't need to. And when you have enough food, you don't need to overthink eating either. You'll eat when you're hungry. You'll think about it when you're hungry. And I totally understand that people are like, no, no, I'm a food addict. And, you know, sugar is addictive. Bullshit. Sugar is addictive because our cells literally need sugar on a like second to second basis. Our brain needs sugar to run. And if you're not eating carbs and readily available sugar, your body has to break down what you do eat and your muscles and your tissues in order to create sugar for your blood to stay alive minute to minute. So yes, sugar is addictive when you're not eating enough because you actually need it to survive. Um, so like I even like, I used to be like, food is not addictive, like calm down, just eat. But then I started realizing that that's simplistic because people are going to say, no, I know that food is addictive because I was addicted to food. It's like, okay, so maybe I have to reframe this. Yeah, I was a food addict too. I was a food addict because I put myself into that state and I made it so my body needed me to be a food addict to in survive. order to survive. Right. So it's this, and I've actually talked about this a lot recently um, because people just happen to have been asking me this a lot, this question of sugar being addictive. I have an addictive personality, right. so should I be more, is it different for me than for other people? And the answer is no. Arguably, um, restricting food is going to make you more of an addictive personality because your body is in this stress mode, essentially, and looking for anything to calm it down. If you're not going to give it the thing that it really needs, food, it's going to be addicted to other things, you know? Right. Um, so, I, yeah, so I like to say, yes, food is addictive when it is not in ample supply because it needs to be like, that's the way, that's what the way that your body is wired. And it's so frustrating to have a conversation about this to someone who is still in diet mode, who is right. just like wants to cling to that because at a certain point there is nothing that you can say to people who aren't ready to hear it yeah, because I, I totally wasn't ready to hear it before I had my own awakening of sorts. I was like, no, no, I'm a food addict. I promise you. Like I need to be on this diet. You know, like that was my, that was my like worldview. Right. I believed it. Like it was all I thought about, you know? So it's so frustrating. And I, and I struggle with how to kind of explain what I do and what I believe to people who, who just don't want to, don't want to listen or, or don't, don't, you know, are incapable right. of like, they're understanding not in that place yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I really, I really, I mean, there are times when I, I, you know, I'm stuck in a situation or talking to somebody and I would love to get out of the conversation because it's just going to go nowhere. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I just have, I avoid preaching to people who don't want to hear it essentially. Like I don't, I actually dread having to talk about it in my real life. I'm going to talk about it ad nauseum, um, for work. And I write about it, you know, like all day, every day and I talk about it. Um, but in my real life around most people, most people who don't fully understand what I'm talking about, I just kind of let them believe whatever they believe. And 
if ever there's a soft way that I can sort of like give my perspective, I will, but I never expect anybody to understand me because I've run into that so many times at this point that I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to like silently do my thing over here. Right. And cause I'm really not a good debater either. Like, unfortunately, if someone is like coming at me with like aggressive debating energy, I like forget everything I know, which is <laughs> so frustrating. So I just try not to like, let that be something that I have to do. Well, I, I like that to- you said that you like how you reframed it, because I think that that part is important. Um, because then you can let people be like, yeah, food is addictive, but not if you're eating enough. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. Because her argument was that like food is like, like it, it, it's all chemicals when it breaks down in your bodies. And like, so how is that any different than like being addicted to like heroin or whatever? Like your body. Yeah. It's very different because we don't need heroin (laughs) to survive. We need food to survive, which is why we're chemically addicted to it. And something different will happen in your body when you actually give your body the thing that it needs to feel good and survive is it will turn off those chemicals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The ghrelin, um, hunger hormone will drop. I think I'm saying this the right way, which then raises your metabolism. But when ghrelin is high, makes you hungry and lowers your metabolism in case you don't find food. So it's, it is all super Mm, metabolic and biological and chemical but not in the same way as drugs drugs that we do not need to survive. However, I've also read an article and heard people talk about the theory that um, even addictive drugs, even drugs like heroin, and this is out there, but um, that, that like, um, for instance, when people go into the hospital and have a surgery, they're put on drugs that are considered to be very addictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them go home, go off the drugs and they're perfectly fine. And so that actually puts a wrinkle in the theory that the drugs are inherently addictive. And then there were studies that were done on the actual emotional, um, community lives of the people who went home and then felt they needed to keep taking the drug. And that it was a lot more about the, the support and the happiness and the loneliness and the connection that that person felt in their life. So it's a way more holistic way of looking at the inherent addictiveness of drugs. I am not an expert on this at all. So I'm literally quoting, um, an article that I read, but I think it's fascinating to also understand that the chemical process of addiction is a lot more complex and emotional and holistic than, than we are sometimes led to believe. Right. Yeah. And I think like, um, with the food addiction thing, I remember thinking like, I remember hearing you specifically say things like that you didn't care about food anymore. Like you liked it and like, it's like food is cool and you would eat and be hungry and eat it or whatever, but like, it didn't Mm -hmm. like take up your mind anymore. And then, so when I started doing this, I was like, there's no way, like I was actually a cook at the time. Um, like food was my life. Like, I mean, obviously now I know why, but like, uh, I was like, there's no way that I wouldn't care about food. Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, I, I think about food every day. I take pictures of it every day. Like, I, I'm always thinking about what I want to eat next. Like, there's no way that I wouldn't care. And mm-hmm. then once I, like, really took on, like, the fuck it diet completely and really just kind of ate whatever I wanted with the intent to, like, heal my body from the inside out, um, I t- went through this period of, like, 
food apathy. Like I literally didn't care what I ate at all. It was almost kind of like scary. It was like, yeah, totally. That's, I hear about that all the time. I experienced that and it's like kind of depressing. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. I used to be so excited about this thing, but I also used to be so miserable and obsessed with this thing. And it really, I think that the food apathy is mostly a phase. Like I think there is then the other side of like, okay, now I can like, now I can sort of like focus on like what would be exciting to eat. And like, it kind of does go away, but, but I, I forget to eat. I forget to eat. And I genuinely thought that that was a myth and also forgetting to eat like, isn't good. It's like not helpful. Right. I agree. (laughs) Then I'm starving and then I'm like, Oh man, I can't believe I forgot to eat. And I can't believe that I'm someone who forgets to eat now because I used to be pissed off at people who would say that. And I'd be like, you're full of shit. Like you, nobody forgets to yeah, eat. Yeah, right. Weirdo. You have an eating disorder or whatever. I was like projecting my stuff onto them. <laughs> but um, yeah, totally. Like I, I love hearing that too because it speaks to people who feel the way that we felt, you know? Right. Where it's like, there's no such thing. Like <laughs> I love food. I'm a food addict. I was the same way. I was like, I think I should become a food writer. Like right. I have a food blog. Like I would watch like my Jello Lawson, who I still love, love her. <laughs> but, um, I like, I just don't really care. I'm a food snob still. Like I, I have very like specific tastes and like, basically I'll be like, that's not good enough. You know, like <laughs> I, I definitely am a food snob, but I, I don't think about it. Right. Really. You know, but even like with, I was thinking about that, like, you know, with the, like, I don't know, with the food snob thing, like if it came down to it and there's only one thing that you could eat, you couldn't be picky about like what brand of butter you had or whatever, then you would be fine and you would eat it. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I that's think, the big difference. Yes. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't a big deal. Like I know what I like. I know what I prefer. I know what I would choose, right. but I, I, I like, this is fine. Right. And hopefully next meal I can get something I like better. Like, yeah, it's not, it's just less, being less precious about it. Yeah. Not everything that I think is really important. Yeah. Make or break it. So what do you say to those people like, like new to the fuck it diet that are like, no, Caroline, I can't do this. It doesn't make sense because if I start eating whatever I want or what my body wants, I'll never stop. Yeah. That is what most people fear. Mm -hmm. It's this huge, because that's what they've experienced before. Right. And they're like, no, no, I know when left to my own devices, I will eat everything in my house and I will be uncomfortable and I will still keep eating. Right. This is the same concept of the food addiction that we've talked about before. This is literally a very extreme but very common binge kind of situation reaction to restriction. That is all it is. And then the guilt and the panic over that makes it even worse. Mm -hmm. And then you telling yourself, well, this, this has to be the end of this. You know, I've already blown it today. So I'm going to go on a diet tomorrow. And then you panic even more that there's another restriction coming and you just keep eating until you feel horrible. And, um, and then you feel like you've proven to yourself that you have absolutely no control. You are a food addict who will eat until you burst. And if you don't put yourself on a diet tomorrow, you're doomed because this is never going to end. But really all that's happening there is the response to that, that mentality of 
I'm not allowed to gain weight. I'm not allowed to eat. I can't trust myself. I have to go on a diet tomorrow. So it's actually the judgment of what you're doing and the the impending diet that you're putting yourself on already mm-hmm. that is making it even worse, making the process even more intense. And and it's this this these big like swings between restriction and overeating um, or like you know binging that um, your body like needs more food than just the binge you just had. And I know that that sounds so like out there and impossible and absurd to people, but the binge is just meant to like get you back to like some sort of like temporary neutral. And if you don't keep feeding yourself, your body's going to stay in that crisis state where you're running on adrenaline, which is a stress hormone. You're literally using adrenaline to make enough fuel for your cells, um, which causes inflammation, causes more hunger, your low metabolism, you're holding on to weight whenever you do eat. So that's the other thing that's happening. People are like, no, no, no. Also, I gain weight at the drop of a hat. Like I can literally think like, you know, that quote, I think about a donut and I gain five pounds. (laughs) It's like, well, this is literally happening because your body is trying to save you from yourself. And the saddest part is, is we are, we are like demonizing the, the eating and the gaining weight when that is the very thing that your body is doing to try and save you. Like that is the thing that is actually keeping you alive because we cannot keep a fast metabolism and eat as little as we do on diets and stay alive. We can't like that is, that's the, that's what happened to, or how quickly on, um, you know, when people truly have eating disorders, they're, they're the ones who are able to keep restricting and override their bodies. Um, you know, a restrictive eating disorder like anorexia would be being able to override your body's, um, like need to binge essentially, which is horrible for you and, you know, kills people. But, um, we, it really can happen so much faster than we think. Like we are not meant to eat even like, you know, what, like 1800 calories a day seem like, seems like too much for some people. It it depends. People have totally different like beliefs about calories, but we need So, and I don't want to start talking about calories, except I would urge people to look up the Minnesota starvation experiment just to kind of get an idea of what induced like complete emaciation and like psychosis in men. The, and it's like a super, like it's a, it's an amount of calories that you'll see in fitness magazines all of the time. And it is, it does not take much to jog like true starvation mode. Yeah. Um, and that the binges are actually protective and meant to help you. And yet we're fighting ourselves all the time. So I've kind of gone off the rails here, but people who believe that they will never stop eating believe that for good reason. That's what they've experienced, but they're wrong in believing that it's just the way that they will always be. And the truth is in every single case and every single student that I've ever, ever had and worked with, once you let yourself eat, truly let yourself eat physically and mentally, the, the, uh, like you are not about bottomless pit, like the addiction quote unquote goes away because it's, it's allowed, it's safe to right. essentially. Yeah. Um, I think you summed that up really well. And honestly, I didn't think that I would ever be able to like 
sit down and I, I remember actually my first epiphany moment uh, was like we were at like some work thing and someone brought a box of donuts and I that literally would have been something that like I was like drooling at staring at the whole meeting like you know driving myself crazy about in my head but I was just like eh, that doesn't sound good and so I didn't eat one and I was like wait what I was like oh, no. That, that that doesn't I don't do that like I don't not eat a donut like, I know and that's the funny thing like it it'll happen to people like it's almost like they've done all this work like eating and trying <laughs> to like stop um you know overthinking it and then they almost have to like look back at their day or their week and be like whoa like I had cookies in my cabinet that like I forgot about and yeah. people are like I I don't recognize this person. Like I, and it's almost like it seems too good to be true because, you know, that was always like the dream was to like forget about food or like not be obsessed with food or not need to eat all of the cookies. Um, and then, and then it's dangerous to like, then I like to remind people like the goal and the, the goal is not to eat less food. The goal is to just get yourself out of the state where you're like miserably obsessed and fixated on food. Yeah. Then you can eat cookies and eat donuts or not and actually let it be led by your intuition right. and your body and what is best for you in that moment on that day in the state that you're in. Yeah, because some days I definitely do want a donut or a pastry yeah. or maybe I want all of those things and that's all I eat for breakfast. And like, that's totally cool. And then other days I don't. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't even think about it anymore. And I know. It's amazing. It's re- It really is. And so when I see other people think like, oh man, I shouldn't get that for lunch. I had this for breakfast. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, oh I yeah, know. people do that. That's so sad. I'm sorry. And then I remember that I did that for years and I'm like, oh, it is literally like the worst. Yeah. The worst. So thank you for offering me that freedom. <laughs> you are so welcome. Being on the other side is really great, man. I wish everyone could could get here. So the last little thing that I want to ask you about, which is like my biggest interest in your work now, just because like obviously I'm through the food stuff um, for the most part. Or, I mean, I'm through the food stuff. I feel like it all diet culture always just comes up in your face, which is just annoying. Sure. Yeah. But sure. anyway, um, <laughs> you talk about rest a lot. And so yes. I started talking about that and, like, really, really trying to practice it, like, these past couple months. And so now when I feel like I talk about rest, people are like, what? Like, when you say rest, people think, like, just physical rest, obviously, which is important. And yeah. I know that's important about like how you preach it, but also when like what was big for me is like looking into how you were talking about like mental and emotional rest. Yes. So, you know, the fuck it diet talks enough about the need for physical rest because it over exercising will do the very same thing to your metabolism that under eating will do. They're two sides of the exact same coin. So um, I, I do talk about physical rest and the need to actually give yourself, you know, refeed yourself, not kind of, you know, not force yourself to exercise at all until you're in a state where your metabolism and your body actually feels like it can afford to do that. You know, you like, you need, so the physical rest piece was always a part of the fuck it diet and I took it to heart and it definitely helped me so much a totally different relationship with exercise and do to this day. But a couple years into the fuck it diet, 
I realized that there was a different kind of exhaustion that I was experiencing and I called it and it is it's the it's the mental and emotional exhaustion but I also called it this like existential exhaustion and that I had this need for like really really radical rest and again people were like what I don't what do you mean like a nap (laughs) I was like no like naps naps are great but like it's more the guilt piece. It's more the pressure, the like, again, it's this idea of this app running in the background, draining all of your life force and draining all of your energy. And you're not even really sure why. And I realized that, so I started, you know, I started talking about beliefs and limiting beliefs and stressful beliefs that are going to get in your way and become part of the mental restriction part of, of eating. Mm-hmm. But, um, beliefs affect every single area of your life and the way you look at yourself and the way you look at the world and what you believe about everything and the way and your worth and what it takes to be allowed to be happy and to be allowed to rest and be allowed to feel good about yourself. And we have beliefs about everything, food and weight, obviously, but career and productivity and um, personal lives and how far along we should be by now. And I realized that I still had all of these really, really depleting beliefs about a million things, but especially most specifically, I like to say that I, I really had all these beliefs about how far along I should be, um, what I should be doing. And, um, and like how hard I should be working or how much I deserve X, Y, Z. And, you know, I'd been doing like, I still, it still was like night and day. I still was like a way happier, way more confident, way, you know, more rested person than I had been, you know, three or four years before, before the fuck a diet. But I still, it was like, I had to get through the food and body part to, to understand how many other things were at play and how many other things I was stressed about and letting myself kind of listen to other people's shoulds. I use the word shoulds a lot, sort of like as a way of explaining the way we think, we think that we should be doing all of these things, but we're not even fully aware of it. Mm -hmm. And it, it is depleting. It is, it is exhausting and stressful and depleting. And we don't even really know that we're operating under these beliefs. So I, I really try to essentially, I I said, you know, like on social media, I was like, okay, I'm going to go on two years of rest. And what I meant specifically was I am going to let myself kind of coast and float and be as lazy, quote unquote lazy, and say no to things and not make myself, you know, like date, not make myself take on projects I don't want to take on. I am going to truly do as little as I, as I want to for two years. And the goal is that I don't have to be any further along, quote unquote, in two years. And the reason that I wanted to do this is because I wanted to give myself that permission. And then when I ultimately forgot, 
and got stressed about something, I just wanted to be super aware of the way that my brain and body and mind and emotions and beliefs were working. And it's, you know, that's exactly what happens. It's not like that every day I'm like in that state. It's that that is my goal if and when I remember it, which I try to. And then when I ultimately forget, I'm like, ah, here's a thing that I am weird and dysfunctional and stressed about and shouldn't be. And then I work on that. Um, but that's my like really general rest view. But basically I just believe that we are like a very, very workaholic society and that there's a huge overlap with the diet thing. It's this belief that like we are only worthy once we have achieved X, Y, Z. Right. That productivity is the way that we define, um, worth and, how worthy other people think we are and then how worthy we believe we are, because that's the real thing, right? Like there are so many people who have, who do not understand what I'm doing, like who, who definitely don't get me and who I think people are generally like, well, she seems like happy and successful, but they don't <laughs> get it, you know? Yeah. And that's fine. Like I'm totally fine with that because I know that I am happy and successful in my own way and that I'm like thrilled that my life is what it is right now at this point. But the ultimate issue is if I don't think that I deserve, you know, rest or happiness or, or whatever, if I think that I still need to prove myself to myself, whether I realize it or not, um, I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to be stressed. And so understanding that dynamic and understanding how important it is to become aware of all the pressure that we put on ourselves and how hard we are on ourselves. Um, that's my new goal. It's my, and it's, it's, you know, like it's the, it's the long haul goal, right? Because we're going to have small victories, but there's always going to be something else that comes up. There's always going to be another way that we're still doing this to ourselves, you know? Yeah. It's like what, um, Brene Brown says, uh, what is it? Like, where Americans wear their exhaustion as a badge of honor. Yes. Yeah. It's like who can be the most like overworked and the busiest. And like, that's how we tie up our worth when really our worth is inherent. So being able to remind yourself of that. um, And I like how you said that you use that as like a way to remind yourself whenever you start seeing yourself hold yourself to some kind of expectation or whatever to Mm -hmm. be like, actually that doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I need that. I mean, like, I think, especially if we've operated under it for so long and we live in a world that operates like that, Mm -hmm. we need the constant reminder. We need to remind ourselves what, what is worth it to us. And then ultimately when we start, like when we take on a project that we didn't want to take on, or when we start worrying about something that we ultimately when giving ourselves a chance to really step back and think about it, don't want to worry about, or don't even, you know, believe in, um, we, I sort of forget how I started the sentence, but basically that's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. And then we have to just have the awareness to be like, Oh, it's happening again. I'm letting this like stupid, whoever make me feel like this because of this, because they believe that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to live like that anymore. And it's not easy, but it's super worth it because all of the work that it takes to kind of unlearn that has freed up so much energy and so much um, 
trust and intuition and wisdom in what is right for me. That's like, that's like the continued piece of intuition that I'm like trying to ever expand upon because it started with food and body stuff. Like how can I really trust what my body needs? How can I really surrender to what my body is asking for? And then it sort of opened up to this bigger, like, Oh, I can trust my body and my intuition and my wisdom, like in every way. And how can I kind of lean into that and let it affect every area of my life? So I'm not living under other people's rules and I'm like actually living a life that I want to be living, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I found something similar too with like healing my physical intuition first, like my intuition with food, which was actually kind of easy for me because I did have a very intuitive relationship with food growing up. But then mm-hmm. after that, it was like, I realized that having cut off my like listening to my intuition for so long in my eating disorder that after that like I had also killed my intuition in other parts of my life and Mm. so I just kind of like lost my inner compass and like there's so many even recently like so many like red flags and things that have gone up in certain areas of my life that I just kind of ignored and then I get slapped in the face that later on and and I'm just like in a like area of trying to heal my intuition in like other aspects now because of the food thing is all good. So it's like now yeah. I'm realizing yeah. how it's popping up in other places. That's, and, and that's amazing. And I think that that's like, that's like the way that it should be. And to just like with the food stuff to like give yourself a, and I remind, I try to remind myself of this and other people give yourself, um, you know, room to make mistakes, give yourself room to like, to like go down that path that then you can refer back to and be like, well, now I see why this was wrong for X, Y, Z. And like, hopefully I'll be able to learn from this in the future. But if not, I'll just add it to my arsenal of, you know, experiences that will help me trust myself. And Mm -hmm. like that messing up is as a part of the process or like going down a path that we don't want to go down or want to avoid in the future is all like part of the process. Yeah. But the rest piece and like being able to like let myself off the hook um, was really, was really big. And also I found, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I found that like once I told myself like, okay, I'm going to stop like, because I, and I'm sure a lot of people that have similar food issues can relate to this mindset, but very controlling, perfectionistic, type A, just like cookie cutter, like quintessential eating disorder personality. And Mm -hmm. so... Um, once I told myself that I was going to let go of like, okay, in a year I need to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I need to be here and like, you know, planning out my life essentially once I was like, okay, if that happens, that's great. And if not, that's great too. I'm just going to kind of hands up to the universe and just do my thing every single day that things were still falling into place. It's not like I just stopped caring. Like if anything, they more so fell into place. Isn't that amazing? And that is the thing that people fear again, just like just like the eating, they're like, well, I won't know what to eat. I'm going to like fall into disarray. Same thing with, well, if I don't force myself to be productive, I'm never going to get anything done. Right. Actually, you will get the things done that you are supposed to get done. You will have, I have find now more and more and more. I have a really hard time doing things that I'm not supposed to do. I have a really hard time doing things that I'm not excited about that I'm not meant to be pursuing. And it's like, and the things that I am meant to be doing, I'm so drawn to them and I can finally trust that. And things have fallen into place. I have continued to work. In fact, 
the irony, the other irony is that I have almost never been as busy, truly, truly never been as busy um, and successful in many different areas of my life as the year that I declared to rest. <laughs> and so I was actually incredibly busy, incredibly tired, and still trying to prioritize the mentality of rest, of taking the pressure off, even when I was um, really tired and busy and stressed and doing all of these things and taking on probably more than, um, well, taking on more than I am doing now. Like I'm, I, now I'm in reaction to that. I'm like, well, now that I actually have the opportunity, I'm really going to take my advice and really say no to things. But I didn't want to say no to things last year and things were falling into place, like you said. And I was actually able to do things that I really loved and, um, and still, you know, understand why I was so tired and like really, and you know, I said no to plenty of things. Like I can't go out and I didn't feel guilty about it. And that was the difference. But yeah, this fear that if we don't push ourselves, that nothing's ever going to happen and we're going to like, everyone's going to forget about us and we're going to like just sit on our couch forever. Yeah. Just doesn't happen. I mean, it might happen for like a week. It might, it really might but then it'll stop just like the eating thing. It, it naturally completes itself. You get what you need out of that binge or that, um, lazy, you know, lazy spell, which is actually just like a recharge, a time to recharge. Um, and, and life keeps happening. And like, we actually want to be engaged when we give ourselves the opportunity to not be depleted. Right. Um, I could talk to you about the stuff all day, but I know we're kind of over time. So, and I know you already mentioned your website, but anything else that you want to mention or where people can find you or things that you're working on right now, and I'll link to everything in the show notes. Awesome. Um, yes, at my website, thefuckadiet.com, you can sign up for a free email series where I, I talk about essentially the things that we've been talking about today. I talk about physical restriction. I talk about mental restriction. I talk about limiting beliefs. Um, there are three free lessons. So if you are curious to hear and to read a little bit more of my, um, my take on this, you can sign up there. It's free. Um, I also, I run an intuition intensive and it's running in the new year. I did actually just close enrollment. Um, but you can sign up for, I have free, um, lessons again. That's, you can find this all through my website, but the fuck slash intuition. You can sign up for free intuition for lazy people. I like to call it. Um, <laughs> and I might be opening up like a, like a flash sale, um, for any lingering people who are considering it on black Friday. So if you're interested in that, you can still sign up and, and you'll, you'll, you'll get some, some free goodies. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. You can follow me on Instagram. If you're on Instagram at the bucket diet, if that's what it is on there. Um, and that's pretty much where I hang out. I, I like to email my people new articles. I have a podcast too. I can't believe I just forgot that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love your podcast, podcast too. So essentially the way I like to teach and communicate with people for free is the podcast and the blog. I have, um, Fucketeer Academy is a little affordable program that I created for people who want to learn a little bit about energy work and how I like to deal with, um, a really, really simple way to help your body process the stress attached to limiting beliefs and then the intuition intensive. So those are all things that are 
kind of floating around. I'm also writing a book right now. And I, um, so maybe next year that'll be out, but it's, I, I finished the book yesterday. Like literally I'm finished with it. And oh, cool. having with my, my book agent next week. So hopefully that can like actually happen and be on shelves next year, but all things that are in the works. That's awesome. Ben, thank you so much for all the work you do. And honestly, like your stuff was a really like monumental point in my recovery. So thank you. Keep it up. <laughs> you are so welcome. Thank you for telling me that. It's really nice to hear because sometimes I do forget. Yeah. I forget what I'm doing, <laughs> you know? Well, thank you um, thank so much you. for talking with us today and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Awesome. Okay, so that's our show. Thanks to our guest and thank you for listening and you'll hear from me in a couple weeks. Until then, keep being you just the way you are. Bye-bye.